Welcome to the Health Leaders Revenue Cycle podcast. I'm Alexandra Pecci, Revenue Cycle Editor for Health Leaders. My guest today is Patrick McDermott, Vice President of Revenue Cycle for ProMedica in Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan. Patrick, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Alexandra, during this very interesting and demanding crisis. Interesting is one word for it, for sure. <laughs> like so many health system leaders, Patrick has had to act very quickly to rethink how his revenue cycle would function during this COVID-19 crisis. And I think it's safe to say that what he's doing today looks nothing like what he was doing just a few weeks ago. So Patrick, can you please tell us how things are functioning right now with your revenue cycle? Who's working from home, who is not, and how quickly were you able to get all this done? You are so right. You know, revenue cycle is usually a marathon, but in this case, it's a sprint. We've moved 500 revenue cycle staff to their homes in two weeks, which is just nothing short of a, a miracle. Typically, these types of work at home programs um, take about a year of planning and execution. So I've been amazed to see the collaboration between the revenue cycle and the information technology group. And as a result, in two weeks time, everybody is safer than if we had delayed or hesitated. ProMedica's revenue cycle is large and complex and it supports the hospitals and medical groups in Ohio and Michigan. We have an 800 person strong end-to-end -end revenue cycle led by my highly effective directors and, and myself. Um, the moment is, um, is one that I will never forget, is the governor of Ohio sent in a message that all the schools would close this coming Monday. This was about three weeks ago. And my first thought went out to all the working moms and dads and how they would cope with their schedules. But my team jumped on it. Literally an hour later, we had a standing meeting and we decided to set up an incident command center devoted to the revenue cycle staff and how the regulations would change and get re getting ready for potentially moving people out of five office buildings into their homes. And, you know, we needed to move fast. And we needed to adapt our procedures in registration, charging, coding, billing, and customer service. And, you know, the essence for all this situation would be speed and teamwork. And are your registration folks still in the physical locations at work? That's a great question. You know, we separated this into the on-site folks. So we had about 280 registration people at our 13 hospitals. and then. The remainder, approximately 540, were at our office buildings doing the more centralized transactional work. So we had separate strategies for registration. Um, my registration director was incredibly savvy, and she knew that she had to staff the drive-through testing areas. So what she did is she repurposed low-volume areas, like in the outpatient areas, onto those drive-through testing. Okay. So now that you've been home for a couple of weeks, walk us through what your day is like from morning to afternoon, including both your own tasks and how you manage your staff. Well, number one, I am not working you know, in the office and nor are the other 11 directors. So we're all working remotely and really getting used to that. And so it's a big adaptation for us. The directors and I were very deliberate as we moved into this remote management arrangement. And number one was spending every hour in, in the weekend 
moving 500 staff to their homes in less than two weeks' time. The coordination with um, IS was just over the top. But then we started to operate from a very specific playbook, and I'll, I'll enumerate five specific things that we did. One is we immediately moved into daily COVID-19 huddles. And this wasn't about the clinical operations, but it was about the revenue cycle operations. How can we support our remote staff now that they're working from home and this is new to them? And how do we adapt to the regulations that we're changing every day from the payers? Number two, we constructed a work at home spreadsheet so that we knew where every revenue cycle employee was and what their equipment needs. For example, some employees did not have internet access, nor did they have laptops. And we didn't have all the equipment we needed for 500 staff in two weeks. So there was a scarcity. One of the first things that staff mentioned to us is that, you know, I'd love to have two monitors. That's something that we're working on in week four right now. Thirdly, is you've got to place a stop bill on every COVID-related claim. You can't just let the claims fly out the door to the payers like in the normal course of billing. And the key here is that a lot of the billing rules with, re with respect to modifiers, condition codes, ICD-10 codes, they're not clearly um, delineated by the payers, nor CMS, nor by the two Medicaid programs we work for. And the lesson from past crises is you need to stop the bills, do a QA, an exhaustive QA with an interdisciplinary team, not just the backend billing, but having registration involved, having coding involved, and rev revenue integrity. Because we don't want claims to be reimbursed incorrectly, and as important, we don't want a negative impact on our customers. So I like to call it putting a dart in each claim so we can track that subpopulation all the way to success. Number four, we are sending out a revenue cycle memo to all of our internal customers so they know that we're on top of the situation. And our internal customers are the executives, the CFOs, the CMOs at the hospitals and the medical group. And the last thing is, you know, you've got to measure what's important. So we've set up a very specific dashboard specific to COVID-19 related claims. We probably have about 1,100 1100 claims right now in week three that we're tracking. Well, with claims in mind and payment in mind, now that you've had elective procedures and routine visits canceled or postponed, have you been able to get cash in the door? Such a key thing. We were looking at our um, emergency department volumes as well, Alexandra, and you know, those are not the elective procedures and those volumes are down by as much as 30%. And initially we were surprised by that, but if you think about it, people don't want to come into the emergency department. Um, they really want to shelter in place. So we're really seeing just the most medically necessary um, patients coming into our emergency department. So that's something to keep an eye on for other health systems and track your ER volumes. With respect to the elective volumes, what you asked about, is it was necessary to reschedule these for patient safety, reduce the spread of the disease through close contact, and also open up capacity in case of the surge um, coming. So our scheduling team jumped right on this task in a very customer service way, you know, canceled and let our customers know we will call them back, you know, in a month or so to reschedule these cases. At the same time, we focused on our operating metrics 
more closely than ever in order to make sure that we were bringing the cash. So March had a pretty normal cash month. It was actually a little bit higher than usual, but charges are starting to fall off, as I've mentioned. So what we can all expect in these cases is that April and May's cash will be lower because of the lack of elective cases. But key is keeping an eye on your operating metrics, especially the leading ones, more than the lagging ones. So good examples of this, watch your posted cash by payer. See if any of the payers are just stopping to stop paying you because the payers are also affected in this way with their business offices. Look at your DNFB or discharge not final bill. In Epic, we call this the CFB. Look at your uncoded backlogs and also look at your call center stacks, stats. But ask each of your directors and managers to look at those leading metrics and keep an eye on it. We actually review all of our leading metrics in these daily huddles, which we're having right now. As you mentioned, payers are affected too. So how have you been managing all that rapidly changing rules around telehealth billing, COVID-19 coverage, things like that? Well, the, the insurance payers have been changing their rules daily. And we might be dealing with, you know, anywhere from 100, 100 to 150 different insurance plans. It's not just Medicare, Medicaid, and then a couple fee-for-service, but there's 100 there's 100 to 150 permutations um, related to this crisis. So we've been very um, smart to work very closely with our managed care team. In fact, our managed care director is in all of our daily huddles, and he's the first one to give us an update on what he's hearing from the payers. I've asked all of our staff to document any interesting or unique things that are happening with the payers so that if there's a need to do certain types of appeal activities, or even mediate with the payers in a collaborative way with them, let's say 90, 120 days down the road, we have this documented. Uh, CMS has by far been the most clear. You know, they were upfront about four weeks ago that they would not be able to adjudicate a claim before April 1. Again, another reason to put those do not bills or stop bills in place um, when this all started. And I think that just as recent as a few days ago, 3M recently published um, the ICD-10 code for COVID-19. So it's a very dynamic situation. And, um, you know, really key is to put that DART or that billing indicator on each claim. Hold the claims until the team has completed the QA and then release the claims in a formal way, not unlike a computer conversion. The other aspect of this is that telemedicine is um, spiking in its usage right now, which I think is great for the country. If there's a silver lining out of this cri out of this crisis, it will be everything we learn about how to deploy telemedicine as another option for our patients and customers. Before we wrap up, can you offer some advice to other revenue cycle leaders who are in the same situation as you are right now? Yeah, I'd love to. You know, in a crisis situation like, like this one, but also others like an electronic medical record downtime, which happens, natural disasters, which happen, you need a, you need a, um, a very strong business continuity plan, or BCP for short. It needs to be a standing plan, something that you do occasional drills on 
and the plan needs to include an alternate work location in case your your main office goes down or your electrical grid goes down or if there's a fire or tornado you can move in that alternate location so this crisis will make every revenue cycle across the country um, even stronger and more nimble many lessons will come out of this you know on day one of a crisis when you recognize that you're in such a one I recommend you immediately activate your instant command center or mission control. Interesting, I normally would like to do these daily meetings face-to-face, -face, but this, in this case, we were virtual and just as effective. So we're learning how to use the conference call technology like Skype and Zoom video and be very effective um, with this technology. You know, I wanna make sure the team is very, very tight-knit even though we're working remotely and from our homes. So we wanna maintain that sense of community. And just from a leadership point of view is be willing to delegate quickly to your next level. Don't try to do everything yourself as the lone, as the lone ranger and delegate to your experts. Give them clear, concise direction and trust that it will get done. We're using a dashboard to measure our effectiveness in this way. And then lastly, and most importantly, lead with compassion for your line staff. They wanna know what's going on and they deserve and expect your best communication. Patrick, it's been wonderful talking with you. Thank you for being here and sharing your expertise with us. Thank you and be safe, keep your families healthy and we will get through this. Yes, we absolutely will. And thank you listeners for joining us on the Health Leaders Revenue Cycle Podcast. Until next time, keep taking care of patients and each other.